0: Hello and welcome to show number 2305 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpey and I'm Pete Torpey.
1: It is really an amazing thing when you think that of around 1.1 billion people live with vision loss. And 90% of this is avoidable. And of this percentage of people with vision loss, 90% live in low- and middle-income countries.
2: And today's guests are helping to change that.
1: We'll speak
0: with Maria Montero, an ophthalmologist and assistant director of clinical services of the Orbis Flying Eye Hospital, about how their novel model addresses the problems she just described. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Maria Montero.
1: I always say that you need to get your eyes checked. This is for every part of your body. We are trying to teach preventive medicine too. So don't wait until you have an issue to go to a doctor. Always check your health and your eyes need to be checked. Even if you don't have any other diseases like diabetes or hypertension, you need to check your eyes at least once a year by your ophthalmologist. And one thing that's very important is that even little kids, even newborns need to have their eyes checked when they are born by an ophthalmologist. And this can happen as soon as they get out of the hospital or even in the hospital to make sure that everything is working properly and that the kids don't need extra attention.
2: And that is a great tip. We've interviewed a number of people on this show who thought their eyesight was fine and never bothered with getting it checked and wound up with substantial vision loss as a result. And by the time they found that out, it was too late to correct it.
1: Exactly. And a lot of times uh, people think, oh, okay, if I don't see properly when I, with one eye, I still have the other one. <laughs> and that's not the correct way you need to get your eyes checked because sooner or later, both eyes are going to get affected by it. Right. And
0: Orbis is doing a lot to bring eye care to places where people might not have it so available. So thank you. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org Empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, success,
1: success, success, success.
0: Let's start by meeting Maria.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Maria Montero. I am Mexican. I live in Puebla, and I am the Associate Director of Clinical Services for the Fly and Eye Hospital at Orbis. And you're an ophthalmologist, right? That's correct. I'm an ophthalmologist with a specialty in interior segment of the eye, which is basically cataract surgeries.
2: And how long have you been at Orbis International?
1: I joined Orbis back in 2017.
2: And how did you get involved in that?
1: It's actually a fun story because I saw it on social media. <laughs> I have, <laughs> yes, I had been looking for opportunities to work outside of Mexico. And then a friend liked the page of Orbis International, and I clicked on it. And there is a sign that says, Do you want to work with us? And I thought, Of course, why not? What is there to lose? So I wrote to them. And a few weeks later, when I already had forgotten about it, my former boss contacted me for the job. Oh, what fun! Yeah. Well,
0: coincidentally, we heard about Orbis International also by accident. We were on vacation in Washington, D.C. They had just the previous week reopened the National Air and Space Museum on the mall. And there was a display case about Orbis International. And we thought, now that is really cool. And so we contacted the organization and here we are. Yes, that's that's excellent. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about
2: partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at
0: eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the Orbis Flying Eye Hospital, what it does and how it does that.
2: Well, Maria, before we talk about what Orbis International does, maybe you can tell us a little bit about their history. They've been around for quite a while, haven't they?
1: Yes, Orvis is almost as old as I am, <laughs> so it's on 39 years old, and we've been doing this for quite a bit, flying across the globe, giving people the opportunity of getting knowledge about ophthalmology and how to be sustainable with surgeries and clinics, and that's basically what we, are, we have been doing for 40 years. And you mentioned flying around the world.
2: Orbis International obviously has an international reach. Tell us what your mission is and what you do.
1: Yeah, our mission is to prevent avoidable blindness. So what we focus on, especially at the Flying Eye Hospital, is that we have an airplane, that it is an MD-10 that's donated by FedEx. And on there, we have a fully equipped, accredited hospital. So, when you enter it, you see a classroom that is where you would usually sit down on a flight. And then, as you walk past the corridors, you can see a room for admin, and then a room that is kind of the brain that controls all the video cameras that are around the plane. And then you enter. A whole different world because you really feel like you're in your regular ophthalmologist clinic. We have a slit lamp for examinations. We also set it up for simulation. We have our virtual reality simulators, which is one of the ones that is at the Smithsonian. And then we also have a laser that it's fully functional aboard there to treat diseases like glaucoma. And then we also have down the corridor, an operating room that has everything that you would find in our regular operating room. The only way that you can really see that you're in an, on our airplane is when you turn your head around and you see all the windows of an airplane, which is one of the best spots to really see aviation and medicine coming together for this and like I said, you have your operating room with all the equipment for cataract surgery, for retina surgery, for strabismus, which are the ones that we usually teach how to operate on. And then you keep walking and you see the sterilization room. And down the corridor at the very end, we have the part where we have the garnies for recovery. So we have the ability to have two recovery garnies there for the patients that are out of the surgery. So it really has everything packed really neatly in a very tight space so that we can make it work. It's incredible to see how it's a functioning flying airplane but it's also a fully accredited functioning hospital too.
0: So I assume you talked about the examination rooms and the surgical suites. You do all
1: the surgery on the ground, I hope. Yes, (laughs) that is um, one of the questions that we get the most. We do do the surgeries while we are on the ground. The flying Hospital is fully sustainable. The only thing that we need is a place to park and electricity. We carry out all the machines to produce our own medical gases and to bring water onto the airplane and everything. But we do all the surgeries on the ground and the operating room is at the level of the wings, which is the most stable part of the airplane too.
0: But then the whole point of having all of this on an airplane is that you bring this modern, fully functional hospital to areas where that might not exist. And so you can provide services to people in very underserved areas.
1: Exactly, Nancy. Like I was saying, one of our main goals is for this to be sustainable, So like the saying goes, we want to teach doctors, nurses, anesthesiologists, biomeds, how to fish. We're not going to fish for them. We're going to teach them how to do the procedures that we know so that they can go on and reproduce them themselves in their own hospitals. And one of the ways that we aim to do this is, yes, we teach them aboard our flying hospital, which has the latest technology Uh, provided by our donors, but we also separate the team to go to their own hospital, to the local hospital of the country that we're visiting. So that way we teach them both in our airplane, but we also teach them how to replicate these conditions in their own hospital with their own conditions, their own equipment, their own staff.
2: Oh, that's great. So you're not just helping people with vision problems in these various remote areas, but you're leveraging your capabilities to kind of spread out your influence. So as you say, people can do things themselves once you're gone.
1: Exactly. We aim to do that. It's not only about the surgery, it's about the teaching and also to bring awareness of all the diseases that happen all around the world. Of course, one of my favorite parts of this is we also teach them how to work as a team. So we teach the entire ophthalmological team, like you said. It's not only ophthalmologists, it's the the nurses, the anesthesiologists, the biomeds, even the program managers, so that we teach them how to replicate this model so that they can bring out the best at their own localities.
0: Where is Orbis headquartered? In New York. Oh, that's interesting. On your website, it says it was founded at Johns Hopkins in Maryland. Yes.
1: Now the headquarters are based in New York.
0: How long do you typically stay in one location?
1: We aim to stay for about three or four weeks. It's usually three weeks because we are trying to move to a model. Nowadays, of course, the pandemic taught us a lot. So we learn a lot about simulation too. So what we're trying to do is bring the airplane for a week of simulation after the doctors already have their pre-learning material on CyberSight on our platform. So they take this pre-learning material for about a week in their comfort of their own homes. And then when the plane comes, we teach them on simulation, meaning that we teach them on the virtual reality simulators, like the one that you got to see at the Smithsonian. Or even to do the surgeries on artificial eyes so that they can use everything that they would use for a real surgery, meaning the sutures, the equipment, the instruments, everything. The only thing that's fake is the eye, which is plastic. So we teach them on plastic eyes for a week or simulators. And then we move on to do surgeries on real patients for about two weeks. So that way we are escalating the teaching methods and trying to improve their skills the best way that we know how to.
2: Is the staff of this flying hospital mostly volunteers or people who are employees of the organization or what? How does that work?
1: It's a mix. We do have a a team that's with Orbis the entire time, which we are about... 18 people from over 15 different nationalities. So it's a great job even with that because you get to experience the personalities and the experiences from people all around the world. And of course, their own methods of teaching and their personalities and everything. So that team stays with the FlyNA Hospital the entire time. But we also bring over volunteers from um, all over the world that can also contact us through our web page. And uh, these guys uh, volunteer their time and their efforts to come with us for a program. We usually ask them for a week to come with us and then we switch volunteers. So it's part and part. We do have um, full time staff, but we also have volunteers all the time.
2: That must be kind of a fun and rewarding volunteer opportunity.
1: It is. It it is really all about, you know, sharing everybody's experience. We, We are not only there to teach. We can also, of course, learn from all the people that come on over to volunteer on the plane or even our own patients, of course. On your
0: website, you talk about how the first flying eye hospital took off about 40 years ago. In that time, how many countries have you been to? How many patients do you think you've reached?
1: I don't have a specific number for the Eye Hospital and how many countries the Eye Hospital has been to in 40 years. But let me tell you that while I was pregnant, I went to 15 countries with the Eye Hospital. <laughs> 15 countries?
0: Yes. <laughs> During one pregnancy? Yes. <laughs> I'm impressed. So I assume this flying eye hospital must be someplace else almost all the time. If it spends three weeks in each location, that can only be 17 in a year.
1: Exactly. Yes. Well, we fly a lot because we do programs, we do, of course, goodwill tours as well, and the Fly night hospital it's a big, big part of Orbis and, and that's my where my heart and my position is. But it's not only about the Fly night hospital. Orbis also has a lot of country programs all over the world that don't require the Fly night hospital to go mm-hmm. there. So we do have standing programs all over the place for refractive errors, for trachoma, etc.
2: There must be a lot of underserved areas around the world. How do you decide where to go to with s- such limited resources?
1: Yes. So, with the flying eye hospital, of course, there is the fact <laughs> that we need a place to land and that the airplane has to have enough space and logistics, et cetera. So that's one part. And the other part is we also like to, like I said, again, to make all of our programs sustainable. So we do aim to go to uh, the countries that we have outstanding programs with our partners. And so we try to switch countries from year to year. We talk to our country offices about how and where we are flying, um, whatever the need is, but also... The availability, their residence, their capability of receiving us, of course, because, like I said, sometimes we want to go, but it's not possible due to various logistic facts. But we do aim to go to countries where we have outstanding in country programs or offices.
2: And how is that all arranged? Is this mostly by invitation, or you figure out what areas you think are in most need of these services?
1: Yes, we do look for uh, countries that need us, but we also, of course, need to be invited because we need an invitation from the Ministry of Public Health and, of course, the Ophthalmological Society, We do have to be certified in all of, all of these countries. So we do need an invitation to go to all of these places and to, yeah, so that everybody is calm and agree and in agreement of this.
0: We have listeners with vision loss from all over the world. If some of them lived in a place where they thought this would be beneficial, is there a way they can um, nominate their location?
1: Yes. um, In our webpage, Orbis.org, you can uh, find all the information. The easiest way to do this is to go to their local ophthalmologist, to their regular ophthalmologist, because the ophthalmologists have access to cyber sites and they can upload their cases. So if you're an ophthalmologist, I don't know, in Ethiopia and you have a case that you need guidance on, you can log in to CyberSite and upload that case so that we can see it. We can Either give guidance or we can see, okay, this is an ongoing program in Ethiopia. So whenever we go to Ethiopia, then we may contact this doctor and this doctor with their patients to be able to see them, to be able to diagnose them. Like I said, technology nowadays is so far advanced that the cases, like I said, can be uploaded to the webpage with photographs, with the data and everything so that we can learn about the patient even before we actually get to see them or examine them on a slit lab. So that would be the most straightforward way to go to the local ophthalmologist so that they can upload their case. If there's an opportunity for an examination, let's say.
2: So, you talked about the flying hospital and how you can do things actually on site, but it sounds like there's also a lot of services that Orbis offers that can be done remotely and you can help people out that way.
1: Exactly. Yes. Um, the flying hospital is just a part of the work that Orbis does. We do have in-country programs. We also have home-based programs, which is basically we send an ophthalmologist or an anesthesiologist or a nurse or a little team of all three of them, maybe even include a biomed, to a country and then themselves teach to other local doctors or ophthalmological professionals without the need of bringing the airplane, just a team of people. They can teach to other doctors. And also, we have teachings that are go ongoing remotely. For example, um, we started during the pandemic doing virtual, of course, webinars, but also virtual wet labs, which is in their hospitals, doctors can hook up their cameras or their computers to a microscope. And then through Zoom, we can watch their hands and their surgeries online and give them guidance on the surgery that they're doing. So we are working like little guardian angels, let's say, talking over their shoulder and guide them through the procedures. And that can be done either on real surgeries for more advanced ophthalmologists, or with the residents, we can also do this on wet labs with artificial eyes.
2: That's really a great service and a great way of reaching out and making a big impact around the world.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, We, we try to think outside the box every time to see how can we help people by providing them better ophthalmological care.
2: You talked about FedEx donating this plane that flies around with all your facilities on it. How is the rest of this program funded? It sounds like it requires a fair amount of resources.
1: Yes. Orbis works with donations. So everybody can donate um, to Orbis, whether it's, you know, like $1 or more. Everybody can help changing the way the world sees. So it has been proven that for every dollar invested in iHealth, it is like a $4 gain in in economical gain through this. So everybody can donate to us and it's non-profit 100%. The patients don't pay a cent, the doctors don't pay a cent for their training. So it's all about donations.
2: Vision problems are quite ubiquitous around the world, and some of them are very easy to treat if you have the expertise. But in many of these isolated countries and areas around the world, the solution doesn't come so easily. Can you talk a little bit about the prevalence of blindness around the world that's actually treatable?
1: Yes. It is really an amazing thing when you think that of around 1.1 billion people live with vision loss and 90% of this is avoidable. And of this percentage of people with vision loss, 90% live in low- and middle-income countries. And then when you realize that the first cause of vision loss is refractive errors that can be corrected with spectacles, with glasses, it's just, like, mind-blowing. And then... The first cause of blindness is cataract, which you can operate on the cataracts. And with a 15-minute surgery, you can give someone back their eyesight, their lives, their lifestyle. You can help their communities. So it is really amazing when you think that um, Although just these little things like glasses or a 15-minute surgery that's very reproductible can really help a lot of people and give them back their sight.
0: Orbis is an interesting name. Can you discuss the origin of it?
1: Yes. When it was funded, they decided on this name because it means both the eye and also around the world. So it seemed perfect, a perfect fit, because the mission was to bring eyesight training in ophthalmology all over the place.
0: And it sounds like you've been quite successful and quite active in doing that.
1: Yes, we are very proud of our work. And we, of course, always want to make ourselves better. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, success.
0: Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Orbis International and their flying eye hospital, including how to volunteer and donate and how to contact them.
2: Well, Maria, if people are interested in finding out more about Orbis International and or volunteering and or donating, where would you direct them?
1: Yes, please go on to our website, which is orbis.org, which is O-R-V-I-S dot O-R-G. Do you have a social media presence as well? You said
0: you found it through a social media contact.
1: Yes, we are on Facebook and on Instagram as we have several. We have one that is Orbis International. We also have our uh, own one in the Fly Eye Hospital, which is just that. The handle is Flying Eye Hospital. I am a documenter. If you want to see that, I always upload all the things that we are doing. And you can find us there and you can contact us there directly too. If
2: people had questions for you, how would they contact you?
1: Yes, of course. I'm happy to help and answer any questions that everybody can ha- can ha- may have. So my Instagram is, my handle is docmontero. So it's D-O-C-M-O-N-T-E-R-O. And my email is maria.montero at orbis.org.
2: And in case you missed any of that contact information in the audio portion of the program, you can always find that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode, which is 2305, at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. I want to remind our listeners that if they have comments or suggestions or ideas for people or topics you'd like to hear about on the show, just send us an email. You can send it to hosts at eyes on success.net. We always like hearing from our listeners and maybe you can even tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do.
0: That's it for today's show. Next week on eyes on success, we'll be revisiting a trip we took about five years ago, exploring what was then our brand new home state of Colorado. Come along with us as we prepare for the journey, walk trails along raging rivers, and did possibly the stupidest thing we've ever done in our lives, hike along narrow ledges on steep canyon walls. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you'll join us next week to hear that. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpey and Peter Torpey. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe
2: to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at
0: eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.